Everybody, welcome to the swarm. Welcome to the swarm, guys. Seamus, we are not recording in our studio. Where are we? We are not. We are in Ashley Arsenault's studio, also known as Small Chalk, for those of you who are New Orleanians, and also uh, just adjacent to Minmu's studio. We're recording on the road again. Yeah, so thank you to Minmu and Small Chalk for letting us use their space. This is a very unique episode, ladies It's and always gentlemen. a unique ac- episode, it James. Is. I know. This I is kind of like, you know, fantastic. This is my fantastic. Okay. We are specifically talking about the Rivergate, which is a building that no longer exists. It originally was built and demolished in downtown New Orleans. It was used as a convention center, exhibition hall, and it is very unique, both structurally and architecturally. And it has a very interesting story. There is, there's two parts to this. One, which is the poetry and the design of this building. And if you're interested in architecture and design, even if you're not, this, is, this episode really harps on um, why people go into architecture, why, what they teach us in architecture school, which is the, 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 truly the design of how a human experiences a space Correct. and how you can use materiality to influence how you ex- experience a space. And then the other side of the story is that there's an event coming up. There's an event coming up. The, uh, the NOAF, the New Orleans Architectural Foundation, along with the PRC, NOLA, the Preservation Resource Center of New Orleans, have come together and they've made what's called a Made It Mod series. And so they're basically highlighting mid-century modern buildings around the city. And this uh, being a very unique one that it no longer exists, they were like, hey, wouldn't it be great if we did a virtual reality exhibition of this building to really be kind of a bookend of their mid-mod series. And, uh, and so that now, even though you never really experienced the, this particular building, you can now. So we had two great guests on this podcast, both of them involved with the Rivergate in two very different ways. So uh, we have John Klingman. He is the Professor Emeritus of Architecture at the Tulane University of Architecture. Um, And in 1994, he was actually part of the group called the Friends of the Rivergate. Which uh, another collaborator in the Friends of the Rivergate was actually the original architect of the Rivergate building. That's correct. Who was also this part of the same firm who designed the Superdome. Exactly. We also interviewed Joel Pondeville, um, who is the executive director of the American Institute of Architects of the New Orleans chapter, and also the director of the New Orleans Foundation of Architecture. Um, he will really harp on the experience of the Rivergate tour itself and what you can expect. So the guys at Cicada actually had a really cool opportunity to be involved in the event. Um, We got to collaborate with a bunch of other architects in New Orleans to actually recreate the building digitally. We all worked on our separate computers and our separate offices and built it collaboratively in the cloud so that they could export it into a virtual reality experience. Right. So for those of you who don't know, James, maybe working for Cicada, is clicking the mouse, while another individual could be at their studio, literally working on the same model at the same time for the same cause, but just to make this event happen. It's, it's really kind of like the first of, from my understanding, that this has ever happened in the city. Right. We're living in the future to create something that no longer exists just for really the nostalgia factor. Yeah. And uh, 
So if you're listening to this episode before the event, we really encourage you to go to it and experience the Rivergate in virtual reality. A lot of effort has been put into recreating this building. And if you don't get a chance to do it, please just look it up online. Um, it's very beautiful. We definitely talk about the, the architecture and the engineering behind it. But it's very unique, and it no longer exists. So this is kind of just a little time capsule uh, A little event. homage. A little homage. Hi, everyone. I'm James. And I am Seamus. And you are listening to The Swarm, a podcast about architecture and design. We're two architects at the firm Cicada here in New Orleans. The Swarm is an outlet that brings the world of architecture to the people. Our goal is to educate our listeners about design and construction by interviewing locals who are making an impact on their community. So I think we should just dive right into it. Um, John, why is this building important? What is this building and why is it important? This building... um, was completed in 1968, um, and it, at the time, it was one of the um, longest thin-shell reinforced concrete uh, clear-span structures in the world. Oh, wow. um, in the world? In the world. Wow. Uh, with a span of over 250 feet, which is five-sixths of a football field. Um, designed for a, as a convention center, the notion was that Clear span was important because columns would get in the way of whatever the exhibits or the um, purpose of this open space. Mm. So uh, Curtis and Davis designed this thing um, as uh, really at the cutting edge of architectural um, technology at the time. Um, The the concrete structure um, generally is only about four inches thick, and that's why it's called a shell structure. The word shell comes from eggshell. Uh, if you think about eggshells, um, they're extremely strong, and the reason they're strong is in part because of the strength of the material itself, but in part because of the shape. And this is the same idea about thin shell concrete structures, that because the shapes were vaults, they were all curved, there was an inherent strength in the shape of the structure. So this is something that architects and engineers around the world were starting to investigate um, really beginning in the 1930s, but the high point was probably in the 1960s. So John, tell us, where, so where, does the river, where, did, where did the Rivergate sit? Where was its particular site? In the, um, in the early 1960s, um, the state of Louisiana and the city of New Orleans Um, decided that international trade was an important aspect of um, the city's burgeoning tourist um, Mm -hmm. uh, condition. So two structures were proposed on the river, um, and they required the demolition of a number of of historic buildings on the site between Poydras Street, Canal Street, the river, and um, uh, South Peters. So one of the buildings uh, was a tall building called the uh, World Trade Center, designed by um, the preeminent American architect Edward Drill Stone, a cruciform skyscraper, and the other was a convention center for to, to, to uh, host international trade called the Rivergate, designed by Curtis and Davis. These buildings were thought about as a pair. Um, unfortunately, um, the 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 kind of conjunction of the buildings urbanistically didn't make a lot of sense. Um, The World Trade Center still exists. It was originally called the International Trademark. 
Um, its an original hand was a man named Clay Shaw, who became famous as part of the Garrison um, investigation into the JFK murder. Um, and the, the, of the two buildings, the one that was uh, architecturally the most interesting was the Rivergate. Um, Ironically, the Rivergate <laughs> no yeah. longer exists, right. and now the tall uh, structure has been um, deemed for uh, renovation into a hotel but and condo complex. But has been abandoned for some time. And has been abandoned for maybe 15 years. Right now, we're, Joel just actually pulled up <clears throat> an image on... A very early image. A very early image of both the Rivergate and the World Trade Center. Uh, they it's were a model, suppo- correct? That they were supposed kind of- to be linked by a plaza, but the city instead made a street in between them, um, so it, it, it's, uh, it was never a, a very successful urban uh, strategy. John, enlighten me. Was this pre-convention center? Like, there was no convention center at the time, right? This was, this the, was the convention this center. This was the OG convention so, okay, center. Okay, so the convention center before mm-hmm. this was the municipal auditorium. Okay, got and, it. Which is, which is the, the building that in fronts Congo Square. Okay. Um, and that was from the 30s. So that was the place, that was the large municipal space for... Um, Mardi Gras parades, for exhibitions, for anything that demanded a large public space. Was this part of the World, uh, the World Fair in any way? Was that affiliated, no, the, or in, did they in, use it for the World in Fair? In some ways, the, I think the World's Fair uh, doomed the convention center. Oh, okay. Um, wow. One of the problems with um, architecture that is um, um, at the cutting edge is that something is always going to replace it and be the next cutting edge thing. Yeah, so yeah. the Rivergate was cutting edge in 1968. Um, by, not, by the mid-1980s, all of the architectural emphasis in New Orleans was about the Louisiana World Exposition of 1984, mm-hmm. in which a gigantic new convention center was going to be built along the river that would dwarf the size of the Rivergate. So that then um, made the Rivergate essentially obsolete um, as a convention center, and that wow. was one of the issues about its its uh, ultimate demise. There you go, James. So, <laughs> so they just built something bigger, the, and at the time they deemed better. And I mean, it's kind of. I mean, it's very, in my opinion, terrible. But it's no different than like the FIFA's of the world or the Olympics coming into town, and they're building all these new things, and they're tearing down a bunch of stuff. I mean, the World's Fair was kind of like that in its day. Well, it's interesting because clearly there's still use for a very large open space in, in New Orleans, especially nowadays. Um, but the, the, river get, the Rivergate was landlocked. There was no way uh, either architecturally or urbanistically for the Rivergate to expand mm. because of the importance of Poitras and Canal Streets. So when there was an idea about building a new convention center that started at Julia Street, um, in conjunction with the 1984 fair, there was no limits on the degree to which it expanded. It could expand upriver, and we've seen that. It's now there were three phases. That building is now what three quarters of a mile long, and there's even a fourth phase that was scheduled that that probably isn't going to come to um, fruition. So, in some ways, for the city, it made sense. And I think New Orleans, the convention center, became among the top half dozen in the country in terms of its square footage which is important for national conventions. So in that way, Rivergate as a building um, made a tremendous amount of sense architecturally. As an expandable convention center, it, it was not flexible Got in it. that way. So from 86 and then its demolition in 95, 
I mean, are those the dark days? I mean, what what's what's happening yes. in between that, so that the, time for so that the time new frame? the convention center, the current convention center was opened in 1984 in conjunction with the exposition. Ah. So that meant from 1984 on, the Rivergate was a white elephant. Mm. Um, it was in search of a program, and so consequently, it was vulnerable to. Um, uh, the site was vulnerable to uh, adaptive reuse or to anything else that was coming along the pike. And this was at a time when the notion of um, casino gambling began to enter the discourse in New Orleans. The city of New Orleans controlled the site, and uh, then a gigantic argument um, soon ensued about whether the site was more important for the construction of a new casino or whether the Rivergate itself would make a great uh, casino. And that, that was the, uh, the highly um, uh, discussed uh, issue of um, uh, 1994. So and how long did that, that battle ensue? Like, wh- how long was this argument going on? And, and who was mayor at the time? It was about a year. So the... The mayorship um, was changing from uh, Sidney Bartholomew to Mark Moriel okay. at the time that this occurred. Um, but the large political discussions were happening in Baton Rouge, as is so often the case in New Orleans uh, politics, as we saw again after Katrina. Edwin Edwards was the government governor, and he was a highly uh, vocal promoter of casino gambling in New Orleans. Um, so he was able to orchestrate the process such that the city had rather limited uh, control over what was happening with respect to a land-based uh, casino. Got it. I'm looking at, I mean, why not gamble in the Rivergate, you know? Why you got to demo it? It would have been perfect. <laughs> I mean, it, you got a perfectly beautiful structure. I will say this for the record. In our previous podcast, I was totally hating on the Rivergate. And solely because I didn't, I didn't do enough research on it. I'm gonna. Seamus put that was out just there. glancing over my shoulder when I was thumbing through, it. and he was like, "Hey, why is this building so significant?" And I was just like, "Seamus, I don't have enough time." I was to looking at bird's deal. eye view. It looks so heavy and long and whatever. And well, then you so start. I think that's the beauty of it is that it's this con- concrete cloud that's floating literally floating above a enormous amount of space Look, i just wanted to, i just wanted to come clean i did hate on the building i'm i'm you know so I'm coming think, along here i think to this um advancements in in material science really in methodology for architecture at that time this the building's roof structure was sitting on 21 columns You'll see that all the conference rooms and and all the bathrooms and every every auxiliary space is actually separate from that main structure. So it feels extraordinarily light when you're inside. You can see the expression of the structure, and it's done very well. It's very elegant. And in contrast to that, you have the Superdome, which is also a large, heavy That's structure that is uh, is uh, is a roof over a very large volume of space. Right. But you can see the amount of weight that it takes to mm. the the structure that it takes to hold up something like that where uh, the river gate looks like it's just floating the columns were 4 feet and and smaller actually right the at, i mean they their bases were 4 feet wide yeah <clears throat> so the 21 columns were in three rows of 7 um and the span between the columns was 60 feet. What? 
What? Which is fairly large. At That's the, literally wider than any typical New Orleans lot. That's the right. width. Exactly so right. A typical New Orleans width lot is 30 by 120. Exactly. So two lots wide. That's, That's right. Exactly That's two lots wide. And at the edges of those seven columns, there were cantilevers where the mm-hmm. structure fanned out 30 feet cantilevers of and the columns that Joel referred to they were four feet at the base but they tapered into a thinner section at the middle and at the middle they were only 12 inches by 12 inches mm-hmm. they were incredibly slender and the only reason they could be so slender was because the building was so lightweight it didn't look so lightweight because there was a parapet around the edge that was about seven feet high that mm. made it look like it was seven feet thick of concrete. Mm-hmm. But that was another shell that was only four inches thick. So if you look at photographs of the building under construction, you see that the scaffolding that was used to support the concrete was incredibly thin because the weight of the concrete was so um, light, even though the building looked um, heavy. So right. it was, it was right. a building of contrast. It's it's worth noting the structural engineer on this job, John. While we're talking about the architects, I don't. His name was Skillings. Okay. And uh, he was a very important and innovative structural engineer who I believe also had trainings as an architect. Okay. So and he and Curtis uh, Buster refers to him uh, quite frequently in discussions about the building worked hand in hand. Okay. Because the building is really as much about structural expressionism as it is about architecture. And in fact, that was one of the fatal flaws of the building, which was that um, from the outside. Uh, along the two public sides of the building, on the sides toward facing Canal Street and the sides facing Poydras, uh, the building was pretty um, nasty. John, elaborate a little bit more on, so clearly, um, you know, you were with the friends of those who were trying to preserve and keep this for the new casino. Elaborate a little bit more on where that direction went for the... um, the solution, or at least for the existing building, and then its demise of the actual demo. The small group of people, including Donna Robertson, the dean of the School of Architecture at Tulane, myself, um, uh, Buster Curtis, uh, Gene Sizek, uh, several other, uh, Betsy, Betty Moss, a really interesting modernist architect um, from New Orleans, really orchestrated the effort. We were able to get in to see uh, the incoming mayor, Mark Morial, just before he took office. And he let us spend two hours with him, convincing him, or arguing, I should say, to him about the uh, merits of the Rivergate and how it would make a fabulous casino. And he, and he was very solicitous. The reason was that his dad had been mayor during the time of the Superdome. The Superdome was supposed to be a giant um, uh, New Orleans uh catastrophe of overspending and corruption. And so the newspapers were kind of writing it up that way, but it turned out that the Superdome came in under budget and on time, thanks to Buster Curtis, the architect. And uh, Dutch Moriel never forgot the fact that he owed the success of this huge project to Buster Curtis, the architect. So his son, when he became mayor, recognized that he needed to, uh, or he wanted to pay attention to uh, Buster because of the incredible success story that the Superdome had been. So therefore, Mark was willing to listen to us 
the problem was that the argument wasn't about architecture. The argument was about money. Mm. Um, and if the, our proposal had been uh, accepted, the city probably would have spent, or not the city, but the developer would have, this is the point, the developer would have spent um, maybe somewhere between 100 and $200 million. Wow. By tearing down the building and starting over, the developer spent seven hundred million dollars. Wow. So it all come. It came down to money. It, it was completely about money. It and was completely about money. So there was a chance. There were a lot of arguments for keeping it, but in the end, it 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 never had a chance. So they demoed the building. Well, okay. So there's an, <laughs> there's a story there there's too. There's more. There's okay. a story there. So the the uh, the the uh, uh, construction uh, demolition firm said, we're going to demo it in a month. And we said, uh, this building is very substantial. Uh, and it actually took them four months wow. to demolish it. John, did they say it was going to take them a month because of the thinness of the concrete? They didn't really understand the building. Yeah. They just, at first, they were going to implode it. Oh, um, what? And <laughs> okay, I talk James, about blowing up buildings more often than I James should. has been wanting to, th- James still wants charity to be imploded. No, 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 no. Oh, coming on the record. That should not be on the record. (laughs) Totally on the record. I'm speaking into the microphone so that it should be on the record. We're leaving it in. This is with a commentary. We're leaving it in because it's... If if a building ends up succumbing to its own demise, whether it be financial or whatever, I think blowing it up is a beautiful way to go. I'm not saying charity should be blown up. I'm saying Word. if charity has to be demolished, it would be cool to see. Let's it be clear. James just really likes things to be blown up. I think you should. I think charity is missing just one thing, and that's just a paint job. You need hot, <laughs> hot pink. It needs to be hot pink, and people would be like, "Wow!" Or a lot of dynamite. Miami. Or a lot of dynamite. Uh, one of those. No, two no, but that's that's another podcast. Yeah, um, that is another podcast. Sorry. Anyway, so all of this to lead up to it is now gone, and if we want. To experience it, we can. Joel, how do we experience the Rivergate? At the beginning of the planning for the 2018 mid-mod series, um, when when PRC and Dokomoma and NOAF were in the room, we're talking about this, the, the various array of events that we can do. And um, I there was there was a point that I said. Well, virtual reality has got to be right. I'm 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 blown away by this building, and I was already in love with it before I researched it as heavily as I have done now. About ten architects and engineers from across uh, the the deep reaches of New Orleans um, have come together and and reconstructed this building in a in a three dimensional digital model. Um, I, I think it just makes so much sense. Architects use, and architects, building professionals, uh, contractors, engineers, use virtual reality to show something that does not exist yet. And and I think that the only way we could draw this up, yeah. render it 100 times on, on two-dimensional paper, there is no better case for, for architecture than... Joel, I think it's, a, it was a, it's an amazing concept, idea. I'm glad you have spearheaded this... this um, this event, because for the people like myself, I'm born. I'm I'm born in '85. The building was demolished in '95, and God help and me, you're but an architect. And I am an architect, but I never had the the for, the good fortune to go enjoy it. And so, um, for people like myself, 
people who are from out of town, um, really anyone, this is now the, the opportunity to experience something like you're saying now post demo through VR, which, I mean, this is an opportunity to really embrace technology. So, so Joel, you brought, you, you gave us a call at Cicada and you said, Hey, look, I know you do a podcast. I know you do 3d printing and other things. We would love for you guys to be involved in this situation, but you, but it's not just us in this. It's a lot of other people. So can, can you elaborate on who else is involved in, in putting this together? Yeah, so I think I'd like to start with the Southeastern Architectural Archive um, at the Howard Tilton Memorial Library um, at, at Tulane. Uh, also, the people that built this building um, in, in 3D, M3 Design Group, Cicada, uh, lent a hand as well, Pace Group, Studio BKA, a couple individuals as well, Emil Lejeune and, and um, uh, Sim uh, Ward. There's somebody else that I'm missing too, but those people, thank you for, for making this thing possible. Um, and then Letterman's for, for making the event possible, right? The event is Thursday, July 26th uh, from 6 to 9 p.m. You're going to be able to get there, have a beer. Uh, there's only about 20 to 25 people allowed in the room at a time just because the nature of having people spin around with a phone in their hand and a, and a little goggle set, that's not a good scenario in a tight space. So, so you're going to be able to walk in and, and see the Rivergate through various points in the building. Um, there will also be an opportunity to uh, walk around the building with an Xbox controller, which okay. is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and there's going to be a couple other things, uh, surprises that I'm not going to tell you about okay, cool. right now. Um, short and sweet. Uh I'm scared. Your thoughts on the existing building that is currently in the place of the Rivergate, the Harris Casino, formally, as an architectural piece? Well, from the beginning, um, it was obvious to everyone in the architectural community that there was really no point in discussing this pastiche um, of um, balloons and flags and um, uh, the most... Um, unfortunate aspects of uh, a sort of fantasy reconstruction of right. uh, architecture. And I don't think that impression has, has changed among anybody. Um, and unfortunately, the building's at its best from the outside. Um, if you go in the building, and I will say I've been in it once, uh, <laughs> it's absolutely um, uh, anywhere. It, yeah, it has nothing to do with uh, any kind of architecture. John, did you win any money though? Well, uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> I have spent one dollar in the. Did you Harris lose Casino. any money? <laughs> no. All right, that's good. I've I've spent one dollar in the Harris. I've only been in there once as well. And you got a free drink. I did get a free drink. <laughs> I did. That I was too. not expecting that. Actually, I did that too <laughs> once, knowing I would get a free drink. Yeah. Um, Very same sentiment as well. My feelings of the building are, are I, mean, I'm, I mean, it's very clear that the same urban conditions that I believe were, were served a, 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 as a problem with the Rivergate still exist, right? I, I don't think that that, uh, that building does not in any more reasonable manner approach the people of this city, but programmatically, it's a casino You've got people walking around a casino at all times. So I, 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 I genuinely believe those same conditions that were 
very clear in a building that was only activated X amount of times throughout mm. the year, mm. had it just remained the same, turned into a casino, would have been a completely different, th- those those lack of urban um, condition and, and, and meeting the street would not have been as stark because the program was a highly activated year-round program. Okay, but... And it's an awful... In my opinion, it's a it's a it's a terrible yes, replacement. There it is. But of, oh, what of great architecture. But I I think Joel's comments, Ray, the uh, Canal Street side are uh, highly accurate. Uh, I think Harris has recognized that, and on the other side, they've made Fulton Street into a mini French Quarter. They have, and now they want to put a covering over it. Mm. Yeah, they want to put a canopy, a glass canopy over that street to make it even more um, uh, usable. And, of course, next they'll want to make it air-conditioned. That's the first thing I thought of was, was Vegas, that, that giant Whatever, canopy James. over old... If you think old, that's Vegas... No, well, no. Uh, architecturally, just like this giant covering right. that means like... Right, you know what it is? It's, it's, what, it's one of the... Fir- Fulton Street is one of the first steps that capital cities, which are often lacking in a lot of culture... That scenario that they have with Fulton uh, Street is the first step that capital cities engage with to try to bring bar life and coffee life and dinner life, I mean, like food life back into it. And and I actually don't, I'm not hating on that concept. I I just think it it felt very much like a... um, It's a little forced. Yeah, it's a little forced. You could have still had that same idea and life and energy with the existing building. You didn't have to get rid of it. I still think it's, like I said, I still think it's healthy to have bodies moving around. And I think this is why people love New Orleans is people love New Orleans because of its authenticity. And if you start to replicate that in some other way, you're falsifying the authenticity and it waters it down. We're already already so wet here. We don't need to water anything more down. (laughs) We're excited about this event. I, I think it's uh, it's definitely the first step in a longer uh, longer process of, of recognizing buildings, both both uh, past buildings and, and and really potentially to use this tool to, to talk about our city in the future. Sounds great. Well, we appreciate both of you coming on with us, and we appreciate your opinions.